All right. Hello and welcome to the At YouTube Podcast, episode number 100, our illustrious 100th episode way back. I was listening the other day to episode one that Matt McGee and I did. I think it was 2000, 2015, I think. And uh, we sound like little baby podcasters back then. Little did we know what we were getting into. But uh, this is the podcast where we talk all things U2 and uh, related bands, we'll say. Tangentially related cover bands of you two, even or whatever. Uh, for this episode, I've got the members of the three uh, members of uh, December with us to chat about their new single that they just put out, which happens to be a YouTube cover. And uh, we've got some questions from listeners and December fans and YouTube fans. There's a good, healthy crossover there. Um, and just before we jump into our chat, I just want to let you know that you can find links to the stuff we're going to discuss at goodstuff.fm/slash atu2/100. And if you're not already subscribed to the YouTube podcast, you can find the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're just going to jump right into the roundtable, as we used to call it. We've got a, a virtual roundtable of sorts. So to my, I don't know, right? I don't know. I don't know why I do this to myself. <laughs> you guys can't see them. It doesn't really matter where they are. Scott, Paul, Ailes from December. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having us, Chris. It's uh, good to be talking to you again. So when last we met up, <laughs> I was just we were just talking about this before we started recording. The last time I saw you guys was uh, Montreal. You were you played a little small room. Uh, well, I think technically the last time we were together in the room was actually at U2's concert in the Montreal Forum or whatever it's called these days. So you guys were in one side of the arena, I was on the other side. So that was when we were last together, I guess, but uh, along with 50,000 of our closest friends. Um, but yeah, the, the bar across the street sort of, or whatever, where you guys played, uh, an awesome show the night before the night of the concert. I forgot. It's all a blur right now, but so I guess, catch me up. What, what have you guys been up to anything since then? <laughs> that was uh, a few years ago. Yeah. Last, last, last year was kind of madness after, after that one, kind of lost track of where we ended up. I think we went to Belfast after that, for the U2 conference, and then we had a, a host of gigs, uh, just people inviting us to different places, Belfast, Dublin, and Berlin, Amsterdam, Copenhagen. Uh, and we've kind of exhausted ourselves last year <laughs> uh, as a result. This year's been a, a little quieter uh, on the travelling, uh, but we've been recording and writing. We've released a couple of our own original tracks and uh, most recently, obviously the 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 cover of uh, the refugee from from war. That's been good for folks who are interested in. Just if you don't want to listen all the way to the end here and just want to find the band, DecemberBand dot com is the the website. And then uh, what's your your Twitter handle? Is Till December right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah Till December at Till December on Twitter and various other places, of course, all over social and stuff like that. But. Um, yeah, you can find them on Spotify, on Apple Music, everything, all the usual suspects for bands and music these days, and uh, download by. That's what's great about being, I guess, an indie band or, or smaller band, I guess, but having access to the world through streaming and stuff like that. Is that it's a good thing, I assume? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just that direct access to to let people people hear your stuff that, that maybe wasn't there 10, 15 years ago. That's good. And then you guys have uh, upcoming just to get to the some of the stuff out of the way, I guess, but upcoming you're playing Tokyo, which is a pretty cool gig to have on your <laughs> resume. Uh December third. Yeah, that just came completely out of the blue. Last week someone got in touch and we we had the usual issue about how do we pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> so we've approached it in the usual way, which is kind of recklessly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hoping that we sell enough tickets to pay our costs, uh, and that's the plan. But it just felt like too good an opportunity to to miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, life's too short, and all of that. So we will be in Tokyo on the third, in a little club called the Ruby Room, which looks quite cool actually. Uh, so yeah, Tokyo, in and out, in in the second, fly back in the fifth. And are you guys catching you two? I'm assuming on the. Fifth? No, fourth? Whatever they're planning. Not at the moment. No. Okay, well, someone needs to get you tickets. (laughs) We would like to invite invite them. Yes. Invite them to the Ruby Room (laughs) on the 3rd of December. Yeah, well, at least, at the very least, Adam, I I haven't gotten the call yet to play bass, so I'm assuming you're still on a a Tokyo bassist, right? (laughs) 
Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Adam or Sebastian. Yeah. The brother will do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if December first comes and you're still out of luck, uh, give me a, send me a message. I'll see if I can arrange a flight. <laughs> a flight. Chris, you're all, you are always welcome. Yeah. An open invitation, buddy. Open. <laughs> all right. So the the last single you alluded to that you you put out the refugee cover of U2's Refugee. Um, what was the sort of des- reasoning and desire behind picking that one and and then also I guess the like you've mentioned that this is kind of like your outgoing, your last YouTube cover officially anyways, or whatever, uh, as a band. And sort of, I guess, what are the reasons behind that? But we'll, we'll get to that part. The second question later, I guess, what's why, why the refugee? We were playing it live and we had been for about a year and it, and it suited us, um, sonically playing a lot, lot of energy in it. Great song sounded good. We thought we were doing the live version that was p- part of the reasoning. Also, it's it's still still so relevant as a song. It's crazy with war because everyone just focuses, including you too, may I say, just on, on New Year's Day and Sunday Bloody Sunday, but there are plenty better songs in war than, than those, and The Refugee is arguably one of, one of them. Uh, I don't know why they don't, 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 don't play it themselves. It's, it's apt for the times. It's a cool song. Uh, it could easily have been reinvented by them. But they obviously decided not to reinvent it, and we thought we will. Uh, <laughs> and the, the serious point, I suppose, Chris, and it was really the, the, our friend BK, who does our videos, or does quite a few of our videos, he, he helped us with, I suppose it's a kind of political point, but we watch the same news as everybody else. And what's been happening at the American borders, obviously just a disgrace. And back when we were planning to record this, uh, it was at the height of all the you know, the terrible treatment of children and, and others trying to trying to reach a, a new world. And anyway, it's just our, our little statement through the music of you two who have made that statement so much better in the past than anyone ever could, but we wanted to add our, our, our little bit to to the voices who are saying, you know, that's just not on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the video itself is beautiful as well, like complimentary to the song, obviously, but uh, as a as a visual piece, it's it's beautiful and really yeah ties in the the political messaging of. Uh, in present day for sure and worth worth checking out if you haven't of course we'll throw a link in the show notes to that so you can check it out on on the youtube channel and stuff like that so um and is there a particular reason for picking that song and then also deciding kind of like needing to sort of end the era of of youtube covers that that you've been on this journey for for quite a while now but um why the decision now to sort of shut that off i guess I'll, I'll take that one as well. Uh, I think we we probably feel that we've we've said what we came to say. Uh, it was only ever meant to be the song Alison Stewart back in 2015. That was all we all we came to do, really. Uh, one thing led to another, and we we've now recorded 12 U2 songs. And I think at least for a while we and prior to that we'd never recorded any covers in the previous twenty years. So we're we're really we're an indie we're an indie band of songwriters and 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 performers. We've stepped into this world for a while and it's been absolutely amazing. And we hope we can still stay in the YouTube community, but create creatively. Yeah, creatively, it's probably time just to focus for the next few years on our own music. Uh, but having said all that, it, it feels like a bit of a wrench, even saying that we're we're going to finish the journey here. It's, still, it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, closing the door on a, on a especially something like this. That's, I mean, taking you to places that you probably didn't think you it would ever take you. Just having 
doing YouTube covers and and even I know I don't know what it's like in Scotland or the culture that you grew up in musically. There's a bit of there used to be at least a bit of a stigma of like oh you're just a cover band or something like that. And you're kind of like it's like somehow you're not as good a musician or you're not as good a songwriter or whatever because you're you have to play other people's songs. And I think I feel like you guys, especially as cover bands, like as that era of your band anyways goes broke out of that mold by making the songs your own way better than uh air quotes cover band ever does and so i think that certainly i guess kudos to you for doing that i guess but also is that part of the motivation too of just like hey we want to sort of make our own stamp musically as well not just sort of be defined by whatever you two happens to do or not do in their catalog again i think i think reinterpreting the songs rather than looking at them as cover songs in some ways was a relief <laughs> because I know personally I don't want to try to be competing with the edge it's something I can't do and again use the word kudos kudos to the guys in the cover bands who apply themselves practice and do sound like the edge or or Adam or Larry and it takes a lot a lot of skill a lot of time and a lot of guts to put yourself out there so I know personally for me it was a relief that the approach was to reinterpret rather than, than try and match. But the, the goal was always to push our own music and we kind of, as Scott said, fell into this by accident. But there, there was always going to be a a use-by date, you, you know, on, on, on what we were doing in the YouTube <coughs> world. We can't say YouTube covers were, were a no-no. It was a revered territory, but then ride away forever. There has to be a, a time where we say, no, we're going to pull back from that. Unless you've got a gig that you're looking to book us for. <laughs> we'll, we'll be straight back in. <laughs> well, yeah, let's not, let's, not get, <laughs> let's not get too serious about this whole no, let's money not talks. Serious. <laughs> I, yeah. I've just been Scott said, just sit down. Yeah. So if there's a rich millionaire out there who wants <laughs> totally. a YouTube band for their uh, exactly hotel top performance or whatever and can't afford YouTube, yeah, absolutely, be there. <laughs> Especially open to North America yeah. <laughs> with beanie cap on. <laughs> yeah, you have to charge extra for the uh, costume. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Number seven T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> But I mean, on a, it's been a great thing to have played these songs. I mean, it's been a, a real, a real, real fun and a real privilege. Uh, we're probably two years past our sell-by date in the YouTube world. <laughs> uh, there's an argument. There's a strong yeah. argument that says we should either have stopped at a sort of homecoming and just left it. <laughs> Shut up. And certainly, there's an argument that says after the album we should have pulled the, the rug from it. Uh-huh. But it's just been too much fun and, and uh, you know, a lot of emotion and passion in it for us and and to getting to know the community around the world has been phenomenal. So uh, hopefully yeah. we haven't pushed it too far. Um, <laughs> Maybe, I, 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 now that you mention it, I see you as a kind of moldy <laughs> cheese in the fridge. <laughs> There's a difference between best before, a best before date, and a use by. Right. We, we're somewhere in the middle. Yeah. That's I see you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, you haven't hit your use by dates, so you're still okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what folks who are listening to the podcast can't see, I guess, and, and I get the benefit of seeing is you guys are actually all in the same room together in in a house. <laughs> and so you're actually looking at each other, laughing with each other, not just like in random places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Paul doesn't spout off something that he shouldn't be saying or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, believe me, Chris, you can see me looking to my right. Yeah. <laughs> for authorization on everything I'm saying. I'm only joking. Only yeah. joking. And Ailes isn't running across the room trying to shut you up or something. So we're good. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> Anything <laughs> could happen. Yeah. And that's democracy. <laughs> what, uh, going back to the refugee, covering that song, what, uh, just the recording process, even, like how did you decide to approach it that way? The, the style that you did, uh, the sort of, um, I want to say like electronic kind of almost something drum and stuff, obviously, rather than the sort of 
um, smash and bang of of the U two original, um, and even vocally too. Uh, Ailes, what's like how, approaching that song, and and obviously, like you said, reinterpreting it so that it's not trying to just replicate what the band did originally, but making it your own. What was the sort of approach, or how did you yeah, tackle that one? Um, well, I think probably being a female rather than a male is probably a good start. Um, I really loved the song um, at the original time. It's one of my favourites of War. So when we decided to do it, um, I guess I just, you know, I, I think you, you recall from memory, don't you, how you felt about the song at the time and, and the way it made you feel. So it was a kind of no-brainer for me as far as passion and, and putting myself into the song. And plus, obviously, the fact that it's really current. So it's so current even for today. Um, if you know more so, I would say than back when they originally released it. I would think so. Um, when we approached it in the studio, it was the usual. You know, just put everything in it. The studio's a kind of funny setup where I'm the vocalist, and you you think you know, most people think the vocalist is the leader of the band. <laughs> um, but but really not so. <laughs> it's not so. I stand behind a big thick glass screen and people shout things at me. So that's really kind of how it goes. Do we need to should I mute uh, Scott and Paul here for a moment just to, <laughs> to share honestly? <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a good idea, mate. Uh, but yeah, that, that's kind of the way it goes. And how it actually goes in the studio is we usually do three takes. Like I sang the song three times and from that normally we would get you know a kind of a, a end final result from one of those or a mix of those three recordings so mm. but I had a great time doing it um, I felt you know 18, 19 back again and, and just the fact that it was we were able to use, well I was able to use their words to say something that was really quite, you know, something that I'm um, kind of really following just now. Certainly I watch CNN all the time. I, you know, I've followed it for, you know, for the past couple of years. It's been such a huge deal in the news. So um, I just, I really enjoyed singing it and I really enjoyed, thank you boys for letting me use your words to, you know, to get stuff off my chest as well. So... So mm-hmm. yes, I don't think that made any sense, but well, we can do two yeah. more takes and then we'll piece together the. Like that. Rerun the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> you learn, you learn too many secrets of wheels. Yeah. It's, it's all Sorry. done live. It's all live. Sorry. Take. Yeah, one take. They do. It's like nah. Very rarely a one take. Paul's a one take guy. There, there is something to be said for not over-scrutinising and redoing a thing to the point of <laughs> booting the life out, look, mm. the thing looking for perfection. Sometimes oh, you, can catch, yeah. you can catch enough. Mm-hmm. And we do move quickly when we record. Yeah. We time constraints, obviously, granted, but it, it kind of works for us. Yeah. yeah we don't have unlimited access you know, yeah. to, to studio time or... Yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, we don't have an unlimited budget. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. So, so the uh, our producer Shandy, who's worked with us for such a long time now, we just, you know, he sort of sets the we'll do three takes and that's it, and then you know we'll get something from that. So, and that's what I've often yeah. I know I've said too, and I'm sure many of you guys too would feel the same. Like, love to be a fly on the wall of a YouTube recording session, but at times even mm-hmm. that would be after a week of like listening to Edge noodle on the guitar would get tiring. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. When I say it out loud, actually, I think, well, that actually could still be fun. But I mean, um, are you, when you're working like a song like this out together, are you rehearsing a bunch beforehand and then going to the studio? Or is it kind of like someone figures out a rough arrangement, go to the studio, record the parts, and then kind of piece it together after the fact or some combination of all that? A combination. Combo, yeah. yeah. With this one, the, the arrangement is pretty much the live arrangement. There's a couple of guitar bits that are have been moved around and moved up front, but it's pretty faithful to how we've been playing it live for the past year. There's a bit more electronic, there's a bit some electronica, and there's a kind of synth rumbling along the bottom of it, and that, that's obviously not something we do live. But everything else, that, 
So that for the refugee, all of all of it, all of the parts were really there. For mm. um, other songs, we normally have a rough idea. We'll work it out in a studio together, rehearsal studio, and then we'll, we'll record it. But as Paul said, we don't we don't tend to you know agitate over songs or agonise over them too much. We and uh, probably if we had a a bigger budget, we would. But you. You go in and you put it down and you hope you capture something that's interesting and emotional at the same time, like all the all the great artists are trying to do. I'm not saying we're a great artist, but we're trying to emulate great artists. No, when it comes to when it comes to picking a YouTube song, you've done twelve now. Is it is there a, a universal like all three of you kind of just agree that yep, this is a song, or is there some you know arm wrestling on like oh, I'd really like to do this one. This one really means a lot to me, but Scott's like no, I hate that song because whatever. And because um, often I know in, in bands I've been in, I'll bring like a YouTube song or whatever as the the token YouTube fan when there's maybe the other instrumentalists aren't as as into YouTube as I am, and you know it kind of gets shot down because it's. Whatever, for whatever reason, anyways. And so, with three admitted U two fans, I guess, are you? Is it difficult to convince each other to, you know, do you have to fight much for a song you wanted to do over the years, or, or is it pretty easy to convince each other? I, I think it's pretty easy for us. You know, if somebody throws a, a suggestion forward, I, I, I can't probably recall any time where any of us have said no. I don't fancy that one. It, it probably a, a lot of the movement would lie with regards to the vocals. And, and me and Scott will manage to bash something out with regards to the the guitars and stuff, but but it would need to really work for aliens. But, but I, I can really I don't know if I can remember any that Andy's brought to the table and we've said no. Aye. No, I think that's right. I don't think we've vetoed any you two covers at all. Nothing came no. to well, once well, I think we've always stayed <coughs> from the. Um, you know, I guess the kind of big ones that every cover band would do. So I think we've tended to go back the way and, and get lesser known songs, not lesser known, but lesser done songs, I suppose, or lesser played um, that you would expect on any kind of cover night. Um, so we've looked back to songs, hey, just songs really that mean something to us or that we, you know, we loved when we were younger. And so it doesn't have to the, the sound that we do make. Yeah, yeah so that's right. It was a limited a limited bunch of options, really, that, that were there mm-hmm. for us. Certainly from war and stuff. All right, and so the with with this gig coming up in Tokyo and then sort of future plans beyond that, I guess, what's sort of, what's next for December or what is happening for December, barring, obviously, the executive uh, hirings of you for, you know, uh, <laughs> birthday, 12-year-old birthday parties for YouTube fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If anyone has a, a wedding in Barbados <laughs> and they want a stripped down version of Where the Streets Have No Name, yep. we will be there. Uh, we are writing an album at the moment and we hope to record that if funds are available next year. And the the thought is that we would put out a, a vinyl album of our own material as a kind of lifetime ambition not lifetime it's an ambition the last few years since vinyl came back <laughs> yeah true <laughs> uh, so that's the plan Chris uh, we've got about six songs written and we need a a few more so yeah looking forward to that mm-hmm. that'll be the first half of next year probably a couple of them are recorded already from the the, the singles this year we have a song called I Was a Lion and another one called Ivanovna, which may be the title of the album. Uh, so we'll work on that and we'll be looking for some some good gigs. The, the tentative thought is to do a short tour of Scotland and Ireland next uh, autumn and use that to promote the album. And what's the, for a songwriting process, are all three of you involved in, in the... The lyric music combo or who's oh, sort of primary? no 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 Scott you have involved in that? Scott Scott sorry would predominantly be the I mean songwriter closely followed by Aileen. Yeah, I have limited input to 
kind of bowl rules and stuff. But we, we all throw our own bits in with regards to guitar parts. And so the, the scaling of the song is normally there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and when we get together with the song, the, the, you know, the, the flesh and the meat kind of gets, gets, gets put on there. Yeah. But Scott would normally bring the, the idea to the table. Right. Not fair, not fair. Yeah, it is fair. But I mean, the the songs change when when they come to Ailes and Paul, uh, and if if either of them think that something just won't fly or doesn't represent us properly, then it wouldn't get out of the rehearsal room. Uh, but I, yeah, that, over the years, Ailes has been involved in songwriting, and there, there are a few songs that have been co-writes. But last four or five years, it's, it's tended to be me bringing the idea to the guys and we take it from there together, mm-hmm. which has been working. Yeah. And what's your, what, where do you find inspiration for writing these days, lyrically and then musically, I guess? the Or is it one, which comes first for you generally, the music or the lyric? No, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a mixture. It's a mixture for, for me. Uh, I think I, I try and write down interesting phrases as I hear them or read them or see them. I keep them in a, a notebook or my phone and when I go into a writing phase I'll go to that and try and mine it for for material. It's, it's, and it's been different inspiration at different times. We had an album in 2016 which took inspiration from people like you two and Alison Stewart and uh, Barack Obama and Kenny DeGlisha, famous Scottish footballer. And that was our first time of of taking inspiration from other people's lives. But we're now back to, you know, just letting our hearts, you know, breaking our hearts for the public and, <laughs> you know, spreading them all over our record, blood and guts and toil and tears. See, that sounds so much better with, with your accent than if I said it. It would sound <laughs> kind of gross or whatever. But when you say it out loud, it sounds like we're poetic. And... We're hoping there's going to be a happy song soon. <laughs> we're really quite miserable. Here's another tale of love and regret. <laughs> Tragedy. Um, yeah. We make the Smith sound like a kid's party band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> uh, let's go, well, maybe on that note, we'll go uh, go to uh, that's a terrible segue, I guess. But we'll go to some of the questions that people send in on Twitter. Um, Kevin Stu said, uh, actually, for Ills said uh, he linked to the your performance of a sort of homecoming uh, that you did in Dublin, and wondering how did it feel when you performed that in Dublin, that particular song, obviously being resonant with the city and uh, that was a biggie actually for me um i remember being quite scared and thinking i could really this could go treacherously wrong um it was it was great being in dublin though i kind of put my feet firmly on the stage and thought well you know you kind of need to own this as much as you know as much as i can here and and these are, this is a song from guys that, you know, I've spent my life adoring and following and listening to and and I guess going through life with. I mean, the songs are kind of theme tune, you know, for your life, aren't they? For your favourite band, I think. And just having grew up with you two since I was, what, 15 and 16. So um, being able to sing this particular song, um, it's a kind of, you know, it's such a huge thing. It was such a huge song. So it was an honour to do it. It was especially in front of you two's uh, audience, you know, the people there were, it was, you know, it was staring into the eyes of the front line of you two concert. So um, it was it was a biggie. And, and basically I was just glad to get through it. <laughs> I was to the end. I don't know, at the time, I, I think I felt, I tried I to put myself in it, you know, and, you, and you, as you always do, and, but, but I was just so glad when it got to the end and thought, whew. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a bit of relief at the end, to be honest, but it's a, it is a great privilege. Every time we 
we sing that song, it's it's a big deal. And I know the fans, you know, you two fans love it and it means such a lot to them. So mm. it's just an honour to be able to sing it and and make it okay, I think, every time. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah you reference like yeah. stepping on the stage and is there like on one hand it's like the um the real worldness of it, I guess, is like it's just a stage in a building in a place, and for all you know, you know you don't, you're not seeing outside or whatever too much. It's just another venue. Mm-hmm. Could be in Scotland, it could be in Montreal or whatever. You're just on a stage and performing, which is fun. But obviously, there is like a a resonance with the ground you're on, so to speak, um, yeah. with the fans and place people that have been there and the history of it of all. So um, exactly, yeah, yeah very cool. Yeah, he had asked Kevin had asked also uh, he individually he referenced each of you so Scott he had asked, he said I uh, love the refugee cover what's next with new music so we kind of covered that a bit I guess but uh, and you alluded to some of the you've got some songs written already and um, and then yeah some stuff that they can check out already um, so next year looking forward to some new music potentially if the stars align and uh, for Paul it was what's your next guitar is the question for you <laughs> Yeah, well, I've just re- recently had a, a new edition of a, a Fender Tele Finline. Nice. Uh, just a bit of a different sound from the, the Falcon. So I guess you need to ask my wife and the bank manager that question, Chris. Amazon's <laughs> <laughs> uh, good because I can get the stuff delivered elsewhere. As long as my wife, long as my wife's not listening to this podcast... <laughs> you can talk lots of guitars. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I have a. I should talk with you, Paul, because I have a friend who's like trying to convince me. I have a, a Fender Strat and, and a Marshall amp, I don't, like a tube amp, smaller tube, Marshall tube, and he's like trying to convince me to get like a, a Line Six pedal board and just replace because it's noisy in like the venue or whatever when we play. And he, he's like a audio nerd. He wishes it was just like pristine sound, not uh-huh. having to deal with a lot of stage noise. And so he's trying to convince me to go but buy this uh, Line 6 Helix something and yeah. replace my amp with it. And I'm like, I'm old school, I guess, where I'm just like, no, I want the... The, the amp sound? Yeah. Any well, advice? I, I had, I, I had the, the Helix, the larger one that the guy's talking about, which carries all the amp modeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's various, various systems that you can use, a four-wire system, where you're not using an amp on stage, but but I just like the, I I couldn't do it without the action of being close to the amp, feeling the, the air from the amp, and a lot of the Helix people really like what, what the the amp modeling does. Uh, but I, I moved to the the smaller Helix uh, away from the big guy, and I'm just back to Mike in front of the amp again, mm. just like you said. So quite traditional in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it definitely, they're just having the warmth, the phys- actual warmth of the, I mean, that's just being in Canada and, and probably Scotland too. It helps to have a, a warm tube. Amp it's to like a on. heater. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's like a heater. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Kevin ended with just please come back to North America. I love you too. Uh, love to you. I think is what he said actually. Oh, uh, and, uh, love, love back to Kevin. Yeah. And uh, Andrew Gettys23 on Twitter asked, uh, in relation to, there's a sort of a, a meme going around of like sharing uh, 30 days of U2 songs, I think was the conversation I gather. And uh, they asked for a U2 song that is a fan favorite, but isn't your favorite. Kind of like, what, is there a U2 song you don't like? Basically, I mean, uh, a lot of them are fan favorites, I guess, but um, sorry with Scott, let's say, we'll go around the horn here. What's, what's a U2 song that's a fan favorite, but isn't your favorite? I could live without beautiful day. Mm. I don't really need elevation. <laughs> All right, Ails, what's? Don't know. Ails is too loyal. I don't know. I could live without any of them. I guess probably. I think maybe bullet, bullet the blue sky, maybe. Oh, controversial! I know, I know that's sick. I know that's sick. However, heard that live a lot. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd miss that. Mm-hmm. And private line a lot in various forms, you know, they've reinvented it a few times. Uh yeah, I don't know if I'd miss it. Ooh, controversial. Well, I get it, I understand that. Yeah, they've changed it enough, like live, they've changed it, but it is still I was actually just got distra- distracted on a Twitter thread today of uh rewatching the outside broadcast from Zoo TV era. 
and, oh, and yeah. kind of connecting the like the dots in my head looking back of like seeing <clears> that show on TV. I didn't actually get to see it live, but seeing it after the fact and and the moment both Blue Sky actually was the one that speaking of guitars, that's kind of turned me from like Les Paul, uh Guns N' Roses rock guy to like edge Fender Strat mm-hmm. sound kind mm-hmm. of thing. It was like the moment mm-hmm. where it was like switched for me from what would your song be? Definitely like when I see even like watching now, like from afar, the the Joshua Tree tour that's going on like the elevation and even beautiful day, like a combination of you guys. Like I, I love, like a, there's no question if you're in a stadium with 50,000 people and beautiful day comes on, you're not going to like enjoy it, <laughs> but it's also like, I, I don't, those ones, those yeah. sort of fan yeah. or hit single ones, I guess, are, are of less interest to me. Elevation is a fun one to play. Like I played, I, I did a cover night once of U2 and it's certainly a fun song to play on stage, but, but uh, yeah, hearing it live it kind of, I don't know. Doesn't mm-hmm. do much for me, or hearing it even on, like I'm. I'm perfectly fine to even. This is maybe heresy yeah. to admit, but I guess since it's my last episode, I can say this. I, I might even skip it sometimes if it comes on. <laughs> we'll find out if that makes the final yeah. cut of the yeah. episode. I guess if I. At Mad Three Three A, I don't know how you say that. Mad Three A. Mad Flea is probably what it's supposed to sound like. Um, the last YouTube cover was a bit of the end of an era. Where are you guys going to take up next? Uh, which I think we've kind of covered. Any further comments for for Mad Flea that about what's up, what's up next? It's good to know people want to know where you're going next for sure. She, she is uh, Joe, and is a good friend of ours uh, from France, and uh, we met her in Dublin a few years back. And I'm just so pleased that she's still interested in our journey and uh, in our original material. So I think we just want to create stuff that's interesting and emotional and that we feel good about putting out into the world just the blood sweat and guts that'll do but out yeah. <laughs> is the uh blood yeah. sweat and guts <laughs> just just so de- a, a just metal de- band de- 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 turn into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what that's what i've already started working the mask as you can see some slip some slip not actually so thank you Joe for that question sorrow and pain is the answer (laughs) is there uh not that you're streaming sorrow and pain but like I know just thinking that made me think of like the 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 efforts you go have to go to now as a band to like as much as it's easy to use like Apple Music and Spotify to get your music out there there's it kind of feels like there's a lot of work involved where you're like do we periscope and live stream this rehearsal do we when do we use how much do we use Instagram how much do we do a website like is there is it exhausting just sort of doing the marketing of an on of band ongoing that is its own taxing in its own way yeah it really is and it would be nice to have some help from my bandmates <laughs> in some of that endeavor Chris, <laughs> quite frankly <laughs> yeah no, it's, i would rather you hadn't asked that question no, I never say that. There are pros and cons, as you said, about social media. It's been tremendous for us in, in just being able to get an audience. Uh, that's been tremendous. It used to be that we would, you know, 15 years ago, we were traveling to London every fourth weekend to play gigs and playing in Glasgow and Edinburgh and just having to, just desperately trying to get your music heard. But the internet, social media has taken care of that. And you're right, the thing is to try and strike a balance between the amount of material you're you're giving away to gain an audience online uh, and to try and maintain that audience, you know, without boring them. Yeah, we've we've also been very fortunate that we have quite a quite a lot of people following their subscription service. Uh, people have been willing to put their hands in their pockets. So it, it, it takes a lot of work, probably for Scott, if I'm being honest. He does most of that stuff. Uh, but we are appreciative of the people that have forked out and yeah. helping us yeah. out in that Absolutely. way. You know? Yeah, for, for folks who are wondering what that is about, just because it's maybe not familiar, like obviously even a band like U2 has a 
stupid band. Like I get angry actually that they charge fans for pa- for a fan club membership, but that's just another rant. <laughs> but uh, like for for folks who are wanting to support the band a little further uh, beyond buying music, obviously you're listening and streaming and etc. Is uh, you have a backstage pass? You call it? I think it's that's still the current method of support, right? I didn't run this by your publicist, so I- there are so few ways of of of, of you know getting revenue streams. That's the downside to the the new music world. You get nothing really for streams on Spotify and iTunes and on YouTube, really. Uh, uh, so a couple of years back, we experimented, as Paul said, with something called a backstage pass, where for an annual fee, uh, our subscribers get access to all of our music. Uh, they get a, a, a CD of our YouTube album. And they get access to a Facebook group, which is private, and where we post songs in advance, and we post interesting, hopefully interesting stuff that that, that doesn't get into the public domain. But just going back to your point about how much do you do, and I've sometimes felt that we don't do enough for that group, so we're having to just adjust what we can realistically give to them and hopefully still make it something that's worth them subscribing for. So next year we've reframed the package a little and uh, hopefully they'll stick with us. But it's been good and we're so, so grateful, as Paul says. Yeah, yeah I know it's, it is a hard balance. I know even on the creator side of, um, I was just reflecting, I have some Patreon campaigns or whatever that, where people support my podcasting work and stuff that I do. And, and yeah, it's a tough balance of like sometimes it's and they want to just support you and don't necessarily want extra stuff, but they just want you to be able to create your art and your your in your case your music. And so you and if any time that you're sort of spending creating stuff just for that group is time away from in theory sort of away from the the greater mission of the music that you're trying to record and, and produce and create. But I know it's a it's a tough balancing act too of trying to make sure you're not overexposing yourself in. And uh, then nobody's excited when you actually do come out with new stuff too. And yeah, so yeah. you don't want to be the uh, U2 mm-hmm. at the end of uh, Roddle and Hum, I guess, where you've everybody's heard you and seen you every day for the last two years and <laughs> nobody wants to yeah. see you again. <laughs> Speaking of seeing you though, um, at Wilco8691 said, uh, when will you come back to the Netherlands? Oh. Wilco. Good old Wilco. Bless him. Bless him. We would love to go back. We have... No invitation at the moment to go back. Um, we had, a, I think, four gigs there last year uh, with a band called Mount Temple. A couple of gigs were around the, the Joshua Tree to experience an instance tour. Uh, and then the, the guys in the, the Mount Temple band actually brought us out earlier on that year to do two gigs of our own. They set them up and they arranged accommodation for us and were, you know, just very generous. So we love the Netherlands. We had some great times there and we'd love to go back. Yeah. All right. And uh, I think this name is familiar to Andy Wright, you too, on Twitter. Uh, said, hi, December. Who is the good-looking guy who sells your merchandise and helps with the tracks? Hope he's coming to Tokyo. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. No idea. None of us actually know his name. (laughs) But Can't get rid of him. He just turns up everywhere we are. Yeah. And we have an injunction out <laughs> on him, but he keeps, he keeps disobeying and getting close. Can't get rid of him. Uh, he prints the, the T-shirts himself, <laughs> keeps the money from the sales. <laughs> uh, no, Andy's a good guy, Andy. Part of the team, really. Yes, he's, he's he's in the family. Here's a story about Andy. We uh, oh no, we'd put out Alison Stewart. We'd put out, I think a sort of homecoming. Uh, we'd played U two forty in Dublin, and it was totally special. And the room was packed. But our next gig was in a little pub in Glasgow in November two thousand and sixteen, and there was only one person who bought a ticket to that gig. <laughs> And it, flew was up Andy, from London. It, was, it was Andy who didn't know us, as Paul says, flew up and uh, met us there. Thankfully, came back to another gig 
where there were actually people. <laughs> and then he's come all around the world with us after that. It's, he's, he's, he's been the best thing that ever happened to yeah. December. Oh, brilliant. Um, such a great support. Love him. Awesome. That's yeah. Um, I think I think I met, he was in Montreal, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'd shake his hand, anyways, in a sweaty pub in Montreal. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you've never washed it. <laughs> exactly. Since. What was the name of that that bar? Was it the Piranha Bar? I don't remember. Mm. That's not an indictment. Yes, of the bar necessarily. I we think it was the bar, but no, no. I just since we started the podcast tonight, I've been trying to remember. <laughs> Name, I think it was a Piranha bar. And do you know, Chris, it would have been it would have been so great if you had been able to play with us that <laughs> night. Yeah. Uh, if we'd if we'd known we could have been yeah. properly organised, and that would have been such a great. Oh, thing. No, it was a, it was my pleasure to watch and and uh, haphazardly hand you a guitar. That was I was stressed the whole time, worrying I was going <laughs> to yeah. smash the guitar by accident or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great. Very skillful. Yeah. <laughs> Taking on a roadie at the last second like that was a was a, a thrill at any rate. So <laughs> <laughs> he, he was he spoke fluent. Yeah. I actually don't. If you if you want to get technical, I don't speak Canadian. French. So <laughs> I don't actually speak fluent Canadian. <laughs> I can say poutine and uh, poutine and about. Yeah, about. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, speaking of uh, overextending our, our welcome in, in people's eardrums, I guess <laughs> we should maybe wrap up the podcast. But um, so folks can obviously check out decemberband.com and till December on, on Twitters. And you've got the Instagram as well, December 1985. And uh, yep. folks can check you guys out there. And then, of course, if they're going to be in Tokyo, the uh, event and tickets and stuff like that presented by u2start.com, I believe, right? Is sort of co-presenting or however that's working. Um, yeah, they're, they're helping us out. So decemberband.com, you can find the tickets and or a link for to buy the tickets and stuff. And if you're going to be in the area, be sure to buy tickets in advance so they know you're, yeah. you're coming. That'll help them out, obviously. Yeah, anything else as far as before we wrap up the show? We've said it all, maybe. You've no. said, like you said, just, you've, you came what you had to wish, say. Wish you well. Absolutely. Congratulations, Congratulations on, on your hundred. Yeah. Yeah, and you don't look that old, but yeah, <laughs> looking good. Hundred years. The camera hides the grey. No, thanks, Chris, for your your kindness and encouragement yeah. to us. Yours was one of the first comments on a sort of homecoming when it went out, and I'll never forget it because we were nervous about it. And this comment came in from Canada uh, that said that. It's a U2 classic, but December have smashed it or knocked it out of the park, I think was your comment. <laughs> and I kind of breathed a sigh of relief. <laughs> uh, so Very thank kind. you and th- thanks to the, the team at U2, uh, Aaron Govern in particular, uh, who got us to U240 for your your event uh, in 2016 Mm -hmm. Uh, and Matt, who was very kind to us Uh, and we wish you you well. Absolutely. For us, this journey has been a complete joy. It's been life-affirming and we're just lucky to have been able to do it and it's been thanks to people like yourself that we've been able to do it. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the IU2 crew has definitely been Big fans of yours, and a uh, special shout out to Aaron Govern, who's uh, yeah, just in uh, wanted to be here and is doing some uh, recovery, I guess. And uh, so you can send him a yeah. tweet if you're no Ivan Ob I V A N O B E, I think is his Twitter handle. Uh, send him a tweet of encouragement and good thoughts, and uh, yeah, absolutely, so definitely. We're uh, we're excited to see where you guys go next, and I I don't speak for the at you two folks, I guess, in that sense of. <laughs> What, what comes next as far as where where things go but I know I'll definitely be uh, keeping up and sharing and uh, hopefully sending more encouraging tweets along the way and uh, it's been a fun little journey here for the last number of years for sure so Hey there just a bit of housekeeping before we sign off on this episode this is actually my last episode of the at YouTube podcast in any sort of official capacity and just to stem any worries or concerns The main reason I'm stepping down is because I'm getting too busy editing other people's podcasts, so it's really a good thing. It helps put food on my table and heat in our house, which is a very important thing in the Canadian winters. I still love you too. I still get 
chills when I hear the opening notes of Streets Coming On. I'm still an Actang baby who loves songs of experience. My dream of chatting with The Edge about the recording process of a U2 album is still alive and well. I will, of course, miss being a part of the At U2 family. And while the staff of At U2 has changed a lot in the four years since I started, I have every confidence that the folks who are there now are just as passionate and interested in bringing you, the listeners and readers of At U2, news and the stories behind the news of U2. A special thanks to Matt McGee for being open to restarting the At U2 podcast back in 2015. Without this place, I wouldn't have heard from and gotten to meet so many amazing U2 fans from around the world. And a very special thanks to the listeners who sent in questions and feedback on the show. And to those of you that turned up for our live recordings, hang out with you each week, me in my basement, you watching from somewhere else in the world, was definitely a highlight of this journey. And then getting to do a live onstage recording of the podcast at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame event was a dream come true. All right, this has gone on long enough. As the editor of this episode, I know I need to wrap it up. So take care of yourself, be kind to each other, enjoy the band for as long as we get to, and be sure and send in questions and comments for Colin and the rest of the At YouTube crew on the podcast. It's so great to hear from listeners like you, wherever you are in the world, and whatever level of YouTube fan you consider yourself. So this is Chris Enns signing off. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye. Call 1-800-RADIO.